Pokemon Scarlet and Violet hit the universe two weeks ago, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that it's all I want to play all of the time. And yet, it seems impossible to go anywhere without hearing complaints about the game. It's frame rate, the bugs, the raid issues, the botched this, the broken that. But in essence, Game Freak kind of gave Pokemon fans exactly what we've been asking for for generations now. But it came with some costs that made the game overall suffer. Given that this is a nerdy sermon, it shouldn't shock you to hear that this is a pretty human conundrum to find ourselves in. I'd wager this won't be the last time a video game fails to live up to expectations. This is a pressing reality we face as people, and we've done it since the beginning of time. In this nerdy deep dive, we're going to highlight one particularly overused piece of scripture in an effort to reveal some of the secrets of expectations and look into the ways that we can help ourselves out of the rut of disappointment in our favorite things. So what do the captive Israelites have to do with Pocketmans? Let's talk about it. Folks, welcome to Checkpoint Church, where nerds, geeks, and gamers come together to talk about faith games, and Mousehold is my favorite new Pokemon, and anything else is slander. I am your nerd pastor, Nate, and if you like these weekly deep dives, be sure to sub, hit that bell, and find out when our next one drops. Folks, uh, I had COVID two weeks ago and flu last week, and so uh, I have not had time to find a reader for this scripture video. If you could just please hope that the crud stays out of my household for all of December, that'd be great. Our scripture for this video will be read by me and will be the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. As usual, we'll be reading from the NRSVUE. That's our preferred translation here. That's what's going to be on the screen. But if you have a translation that you prefer, feel free to use that one as well. For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So let's start this one with the controversy behind Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. I'm pretty sure I don't have to tell you that Pokemon exists since you clicked on this video at the very least. There was also a literally giant inflatable Pikachu in the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade like last week. But with Scarlet and Violet, Pokemon entered into its ninth generation of its mainline series. While there have certainly been more than nine Pokemon games, this was the ninth of the official canon of the series. This game came pretty hot on the heels of the somewhat controversial game Pokemon Legends Arceus that dropped at the start of the year, which was one of my top games of the year personally. Most excitingly to me, you get to throw the Pokeball for reals. <laughs> it's so fun. You can tell from this game that Game Freak took many of the ideas from Arceus that worked well, and you can tell that they took a ton of ideas that worked well from the well-received entry prior in Pokemon's eighth generation Sword and Shield. However, Let's run that back just a second. Game Freak, the developer of the mainline games, made Arceus, which was innovative and ambitious, less than a year ago. That's not a lot of time to make a game, regardless of the billions of dollars in the franchise. Throw into the mix that Scarlet and Violet were determined to take that zoned open world concept of both Sword and Arceus and to turn it into a fully fledged and genuine open world experience. The adventure, while not scaled properly for the game type, was actually one that you could experience on your own terms, just like the heaviest hitter of the year, Elden Ring. Oh, I dodged. And it did. The actual gameplay of Scarlet and Violet is objectively the most open world experience we've ever gotten. Fans have been asking for this since forever, and Game Freak has made gentle steps forward, but this one? This one did the thing. No random encounters, no forced trainer battles. The world itself feels realized. The gym leaders are inspired. The designs are spot on. The new Pokemon designs are almost all solid. The new elements 
flow seamlessly into one another. Terastalizing is actually more fun than I could have predicted. Most of the UI issues were fixed and resolved. Sandwiches and picnics make the meta more fun than ever. Outbreaks and raid dens make shiny hunting and competitive building more strategic than any generation so far. The legendaries are compelling. The story is actually a story and a darn good one at that. Oh, one thing though, uh, the thing actually, uh, it doesn't run. People in the background look like stop motion graphics. Raid battles feature health bars that just repopulate even when you clearly one hit KO the thing. You can see inside the character model when climbing a ladder. I've even had the game crash on me several times and I'm one of those lucky people that never has that happen. I had one crash with Cyberpunk. Now, crashing in the whole health repopulation thing aside, nearly all the bugs and glitches in this game are more funny than anything and don't actually take away from the way the game plays at all. It's just kind of ugly. But don't you remember all those good things that I said earlier? Yeah, it actually doesn't matter. Scarlet and Violet scored a 73 on Metacritic, the lowest score on any mainline Pokemon game ever. I mean, this is also the website that gave Mewtwo Strikes Back a 35, so who really cares what they think? The reign of Mewtwo will soon begin. Remember I just said this was probably the best game that's been made in many elements. It's easily the best story for me, maybe ever. Definitely the best story since the jump to 3D, and I actually really liked the story in Sun and Moon. Ultimately, what it all comes down to is perception and expectation. For me, I have no expectation of what a Pokemon game will look like. People ragged on Arceus, and it was literally what I dream about Pokemon looking like when I sleep at night. Purely for the ability to just crouch down and throw a Pokeball, 10 out of 10 game, easy. You get to throw the Pokeball for reals. But we're entering into a time period in gaming where the focus of a game is the ray tracing and the quality of the thing. Everybody wants their game to look as good as possible. If you watch our streams here at Checkpoint, I play games like Omori, Undertale, One Shot, these RPG maker games that most people won't even touch because of the style and aesthetic because they look cheap. Oh, thank goodness gracious. I can't work when I'm dead. But the truth of the matter is that they are the greatest stories that I think have ever been told in gaming ever. But at the end of the day, those are just indie games and the AAA elitist types can just kind of brush them off comfortably. But Pokemon, Pokemon is the biggest franchise in the world. Why on earth would their quality control not be through the roofs? There are plenty of answers to that question if you really want to know, some of which I think are more reasonable than others, some are more ethical than others, but the Pokemon Company and Game Freak aren't watching this video. You are. So I want to ask instead, what are we going to do about this disappointment? What can we do to get out from the echo chamber of the internet and instead just enjoy a genuinely fun game? Before we break down some tangible ways of doing that, let's take a quick look at some starkly different scripture. You've no doubt heard one of the verses in this passage, whether you grew up in the church or a Christian or not. I know the plans I have for you, plans for a hope and a future, but few people take the time to consider the context of this verse, which I kindly included in our scripture for today. These words are from a prophet named Jeremiah, and they're spoken during a time where the Israelites receiving this prophecy are actually in captivity by the Babylonian kingdom. And they will be for like, a while. The scripture says 70 years, a holy and intentional number, no doubt. Once those 70 years are up, the Lord will visit and bring the Israelites back to the promised land. So Israelites, you should be happy with that. And then we get our famous verse, I know the plans ahead. And when is that plan coming to fruition? 70 years. And it's then, then in 70 years, when I will hear your prayers, you will find me, you will have your fortunes, you will gather after the waiting period. Now, to us in the present day context, this may seem encouraging because sure enough, the Israelites turn out okay and do indeed survive that enslavement. And then they get told about this Jesus guy who's going to ride in and conquer. And he does by dying 
and by being a peace bringer instead of a sword bringer. And then they get told that the Holy Spirit is about to descend upon them and change things. And it does by leading to an age of sacrifice and the death of the disciples. And then Paul tells us, hey, listen, Jesus is coming back so soon. You don't even worry about getting married. It's going to be so soon. And here we are 2000 years later. And, uh, I'm married (laughs) and we've had a whole lot of weddings in those 2000 years. What I'm getting at here is that we've made a bad habit as human beings of setting up expectations for what the Lord has in store. We really are confident that those plans that Jeremiah spoke of are right around the corner waiting on us, but there are very few, if any, who have correctly predicted what the plan actually is ahead. No one expected Jesus to actually die. No one expected Jesus to actually rise again but he did. I might go so far as to say that most Christians now probably don't really expect Jesus to return, but he will. It may be 70 years, 700 years, or 7,000 years. We have no idea what to expect. So why even bother trying to set an expectation for when? That's why this current season in the church is actually my favorite time of the year, because it helps me reframe my expectation into preparation. We're in a season right now called Advent. This is a time when we sit in that unknowing and prepare for the eventual return of Jesus, not by saying like, when's it going to be, but instead by reflecting on his first entrance into humanity in the form of the Christmas story. We're not going to waste our time with making guesses as to when the return is going to be. Instead, we remember, we recall, we refocus ourselves on who Jesus was, is, and is to come. Despite coining such a famous bit of scripture, it may surprise you to learn the prophet Jeremiah uh, wasn't the most popular guy in town. Most prophets weren't, in fact, because prophecy often came with caveats like this. Hey, things are going to shape up eventually. No one wants to be told that they're going to have to endure suffering for 70 years. Yet that's what was told. And so we have this book of things we call the Bible that we can read and study and learn from that tells us on one page that the burden is light. And then on the next tells us the world will hate us. The expectations we place on Jesus are never going to hold up and they don't hold up in real life either. While Pokemon is obviously less important than the second coming of Jesus, I think that goes without saying, it applies to our lives nevertheless. Have you ever expected something of someone? Maybe a significant other who breaks your heart or a parent who breaks your trust? We have expectations in our lives and they just aren't helpful. They end up leading to more pain ultimately. So what does this mean for us today? What can we actually do to work past our expectations? Like I said earlier, I think Advent is a wonderful example for how we might live more of our lives like this. Don't enter into a space of expectation, but instead enter into a place of preparation and remembrance. Silly example, I know, but Pokemon was an absolute 10 out of 10 for me because I just love Pokemon. Why do I love it? Because I grew up with it. I have fond memories of these creatures and these stories. No matter how bad the new game may be or not be, I still have that. And I can remember and look back fondly on those memories. Sometimes nostalgia glasses help us to see the world in a rose color that lets us see the game that might not look as good as Elden Ring, but means as much to us because we approached it with affection instead of pre-rendered judgment. Now, a less silly example for those of you who are married or dating someone, we can beat each other up figuratively when we set expectations on the other. And we throw around the word divorce or the breakup because of silly unmet expectations on our end. Instead, if we see our relationship as a thing worth nurturing because it's a memory, a remembrance, a thing that we have to prepare, that is a different situation altogether. The same thing goes for a hurt between family members. We need to stop seeing people as those who fulfill our expectations and instead see them as bundles of memories that we call relationships that are worth protecting and preparing for the next great 
moment. This is where we land on the you matter phrase from our three things. Do you matter if you live a different lifestyle than me? Do you matter if you believe in God or don't believe in God? The question is irrelevant because we don't expect you to matter to our own preset expectations. No, you matter because you are made of sacred stuff. Because God says you matter enough to be here. Start there, answer the other questions later. This is hard work that is literally dividing us from one another constantly. But if you want to be a part of a community doing our very best to move past the expectations and enter into a place of remembering who we are together, know that whether you're a mouse hold, a sad puppy, or literally just a flamingo, you're always welcome here at Checkpoint Church. Folks, thank you so much for watching this video. I so appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us on these nerdy deep dives each week. If you want more of what Checkpoint Church has to offer, we are streaming every single Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and every other Friday over on Twitch, or we are active 24 seven on our Discord. We would love to have you over there. We're always engaging, asking silly questions, uh, having a good time. We're actually doing a photo challenge right now for Advent, so get on in there, have a great time with us over there. Also, if you watched this far in the video, then that means that you probably liked it. So if you wouldn't mind doing me a favor and clicking that like button down below so that we know that you liked this video enough to watch to the end. We wanna make sure that we're making more of the videos that you want to see and the stuff that you enjoy seeing. Hey, quick question for you. Let me know down in the comments down below. Are you able to see past the bugs and enjoy Pokemon for what it is? What are your thoughts on this game as a whole? I'd love to hear what you think down below. With that, we're gonna end this video as we always do with our three things that we believe to be true about every single one of you out there. Number one, that God loves you, like really, really loves you. Number two, we love you. We want community with you. That's what we're doing here on YouTube, Twitch, and Discord. And number three, believe that you, yes, you, no matter who you are, what you believe, whether you think that we're setting any expectations on you or that you've had the church set expectations on you before, there are none here, no expectations, no caveats, no catch-22s. We believe that you matter. You are a person of sacred worth. The world is a better place. Why? Because you are in it. Folks, with that and until the next time that I see you, I hope that you are well. So whether I see you on Twitch or on Discord or back here, same time, same place for another Nerdy Deep Dive next week, I look forward to seeing you then. Bye-bye! Come on, Gabagool. Come on, you little guy. Come on! No! The Gabagool! How? How is he so good? Come on, little gobba guy. Come on, little gobba guy. Come on. In the ball. One more. Click it. Boom, baby. Boom. Got him. Gimme ghoul is mine.